Effective Living with Reverend Henry Hubert. May you be blessed as you listen. Now, the message. We've been studying on an important subject that I title Success is Your Birthright. Everybody say, Success is Your Birthright. Say, Success is My Birthright. Amen. Today's I want to continue from where we ended last week. Today's subtitle is Developing Right Attitudes for Success. Developing Right Attitudes for Success. Amen. From all that we've studied so far, we can say that success is God's desire for all his children. Everyone who is a child of God God's greatest desire for you, while you are still on earth, is that you should be successful. Whilst you are still on earth, while you haven't gone to heaven yet, if there's anything God wants to happen to you, is that you should be, what? Successful. Your success is so important to God. Why? Because your success is necessary for him. For God to be seen as a good father, for God to be seen as a great father, His children should be successful. All of us who are parents, we want to see our children do well. We wish our children will be the first in class. At the end end of every term in exams, when our children are going to write exams, we pray and we desire that they should pass well, they should do well. Whatever your child is involved in, your greatest desire is to see them be the best, isn't it? Now, The same way we parents want to see our children do well and be the best, God also wants you and I to be successful. Because when we become successful, it is God's pride. It is his delight. He feels great to see his children succeed and do well. So God's desire for you is that you should be successful. Another reason why God wants you to be successful is that Success is what makes you influential. In this year of influence, one important thing that makes influence real is success. Success makes you influential. Nobody wants to take a failure as a role model. Nobody wants to take a failure as an inspiration. Everybody is inspired by successful people. So for you to be influential, for this team, Influence, in 2016 to be a reality in your life, you have to be thinking about, seriously about how you can be successful in what you do. Amen. So whatever you do, whether you are in business, into any career venture, you can only be a person of influence in that area when you become successful. We can also say from all that we've been studying that success is predictable. What I I mean by this is that success is not a mystery. When you see somebody successful in what he's doing, it's not a mystery. There is no mystery to it. It is not magic. The scriptures has told us in Joshua 1.8 that success is an outcome. Success is a result. It's a reward. It is a fruit of right principles applied by anybody. 
anybody anywhere in the world, whether Christian or not Christians, because principles are universal. They work for everybody irrespective of status, location, or gender. So success is predictable. In other words, you can be able to tell yourself by the things you know and the things you are doing that in the next 10 years, this is where I want my business to reach. And especially for us Christians who have God on our side, you can be able to say that with the grace of God, doing things right, this is where I want to reach in the next 10 years, in the next 20 years, because you have decided that you want to engage God's principles. God said to Joshua, he said, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. Joshua 1 verse 8. He said, you shall meditate on it day and night. In other words, you begin the journey of success by speaking the right things. Number two, by thinking the right way. He said, meditate on the word day and night. Meditation helps you to think the right way. Think the right thoughts. Think God's way. He said, you shall meditate on, on it day and night so that you will observe to do all that is written. So success begins with speaking the right way, thinking the right way, and doing the right things. Doing the right things. You shall observe to do all that is written in it. And when you do that, what will be the result? He said, for then... The word then is talking about timing. For then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. When you speak the right way, think the right way, do the right things, you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. May that be your story at the end of your life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. May it be said about you when you are, you are all said and done that you lived well, you fulfilled destiny, you accomplished great things in your lifetime. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, so success is a result of engaging right principles. But we also saw last week that right principles work only for people who have the right attitudes. Right principles work with people who have the right attitudes. In other words, you can engage the right principles with the wrong attitude, and you will not be as successful as you want to become. So God told Joshua in Joshua 1 verse 7, this is what God told Joshua. He said, be strong and very courageous so that you may observe to do all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. The scripture we just read earlier is Joshua 1 verse 8, talk about how you can engage the right principles and have good success. Good success. Everybody say good success. Right. But before Joshua 1 8, God said to Joshua in verse 7, he said, be strong and of a good courage so that you can be able to do according to all the law. In other words, what... God was telling Joshua is that if you are strong and courageous, you will do the principles and they will work well for you. Verse 7 comes before verse 8. Right attitude is always necessary for right principles to work for you. Amen. So what is attitude? Attitude is your perspective. 
about life. It also means your frame of mind, your mentality, your mindset, your way of thinking. Attitude also means your viewpoint. Attitude also means your orientation, your philosophy. I was thinking yesterday about something. I said, when you get admitted to the university as a fresher, a new student of a university, the first week, there is something they do for all the new students. They call it orientation. And everyone who has been to the university, you know that orientation doesn't score you any mark. You don't get any credits for it. And yet they put it there. Why? Because every other certificates you are going to get from the school, all the exams you are going to write from year one till you, you complete university and get a degree depends on that one week orientation that we all received when we went to the university. Hello? So if you are not going to score any mark for it, it's not part of the credits you earn for, for, as part of your grading, why did they put it there? Because it's very important. It gives you the right attitude so that your certificates can become relevant. So attitude is our mindset, the way we think, the way we see life. Dr. Otabo, in his book, Pathways of Success, said that our attitudes are framed, our attitudes are shaped by our belief and influenced by certain factors. What you believe in affects your mindset, all right? Every one of us have core beliefs. There are things we believe in. There are people who believe that to be African is a curse. That once you're an African, you are bound and doomed to fail. Now, once you have that belief, it affects the way you see life the rest of your life. What do you believe? What is your belief? There are people who believe that not everybody can be successful. They will tell you all the fingers are not equal. Or they forget that a human being is not a finger. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> there are people who believe that to be successful, you have to be lucky. If you are not lucky, you fail. If you are lucky, you are successful. So our attitudes are shaped by our beliefs. What the word of God does for us is to help us have the right beliefs so our attitudes can change. Amen. So apart from our belief, there are four other things that shape our attitudes. The first one is our examples. Example means what we came to meet. Most of us, our mindset has been programmed by the things, the environment in which we grew in, the things that we saw around us, the things that we saw as normal. If you grow up in an environment where violence was normal, it could shape your attitude. If you grow up in a home where there is no sincerity, there is no value for human beings, there is abuse, abuse of people is the normal thing, you could grow up easily with it, no matter how Christian you are. So our examples, the next thing that influences our attitudes is our experience. Experience is what you are doing now and how is it working for you. Sometimes people develop mindsets as a result of the things they do. The Samaritan woman in the book of John chapter 4 married six times and it all didn't work. I believe by the sixth time he had, she had developed an, a, a mindset that this thing doesn't work. 
So the seventh man he got, she lived with him, but did not marry him. Amen. So what we do repeatedly shapes our attitude. The next thing is our exposure, what we see others doing. So if you want your attitude to change, you have to change your exposure. What you see repeatedly affects you. If you don't want to become a particular thing, stop looking at it. Because what you see repeatedly, you do. Because what you see repeatedly affects your thinking. Hallelujah. Right. So if you grew up in an environment of abject poverty, and now you want to develop a mindset for prosperity, you have to give yourself exposure. Otherwise, your definition of prosperity will be so funny. Hello? Your definition of success will be so funny because success is relative, much as prosperity is relative. When I say somebody is rich, it's relative. Exposure is what helps people define reality. Amen. So you owe it yourself to define what exposure you want to have by the things that you watch and the places you go. The last thing that shapes our, our attitude is our expectation, what we want to achieve, what do we want to achieve in life. All right, today I want us to begin to look at seven important attitudes that God wants us to develop to become successful. Seven important attitudes. The first one is integrity. The second one is generosity. The third attitude is humility. The fourth is discipline. The fifth attitude is resilience. The sixth is confidence. And the last one is passion for knowledge. On this note, I want us to begin to look quickly at as many of them as we can today. Amen. How many are with me up to now? Yeah, all right. So we're starting with the first one, integrity. Integrity is an attitude that God wants everyone who wants to be successful to have. When you have integrity, it will take you far. But the question is, what is integrity? The dictionary defines integrity as to be honest and having strong moral principles that do not change. To be honest and having strong moral principles that do not change. Integrity also means what you say about yourself is the same as what you do consistently. That means what you say should be the same as what you do. Integrity means be exactly what you claim you are. If you say, I am a Christian, let it not just be in words. Let not people find out later that you said you are a Christian, but your character is exactly opposite that. Then it puts your integrity to question. In the book of Matthew chapter 5, verse 33 to 37, Jesus taught a very important, powerful lesson on integrity. He said, he said again, I've said, you have heard it said that of old, you shall not swear falsely but you shall perform your vow, your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all. By heaven, for it is God's throne. Nor by the earth, for it is his footstool. Nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you swear by your head, 
Because you cannot make one hair white or black. <laughs> wow. But let your yes be what? Yes. And your no be no. For whatever is more than this is from the devil. Jesus said, integrity means anytime you said yes, everybody must believe that that is what you mean. Anytime you say no, people should just believe what you said. People should take you at your word. You don't need to swear. Oh, I swear I'll be there. No, you don't need to say that. Once you tell people I'll be there, they have to believe you'll be there. If you tell somebody it's 12 o'clock, the person should not expect you at 2 p.m. So Jesus said, if you are a Christian and the only time people take you seriously is when you swear, you will not be successful because you have a bad attitude. You are not a person of integrity. You are not sincere and you are not honest. You are something that we'll look at soon. The question that we want to ask today is, why do, are we made to swear at court? Because we can't be trusted. <laughs> Hallelujah. Human beings naturally cannot be trusted with truth because we tell the truth only when it's favorable. We tell the truth if only it favors us. But for you to stand in the court and say, I did it, it's difficult for us. So they will make you swear. But even upon the swearing, people still lie. So you see why Jesus said we should not swear because if you are dishonest, swearing won't turn you into honesty. It's just a waste of time. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Amen. People with integrity are sincere. That is what I just said. That means they tell the truth. Not only when it's favorable, but they tell the truth all the time. Not only when it will benefit you, even if the truth will hurt you, it is still good to tell it. Because the long-term effect of telling the truth is always more powerful than the immediate effect. You may tell the truth today about something and it will, it will undermine you now, but the long-term effect is so outstanding that it is always more profitable to be sincere. Amen. Now, People with integrity have one life. Somebody say one life. One life means their private life is the same as a public life. You know it's not the same for all of us. People of integrity are real. They are not like film actors. You know every film actor has the life in the film different from his real life. Unfortunately, many of us, even though we are not acting a well-designed film. Our whole life is like we're acting. Once we get to public, we act. We pretend, we pose to be what we are not just because we want to impress people. But the sad thing is people get to know you were pretending anyway. It's only a matter of time. Turn to anybody and tell him it's only a matter of time. So, hypocrisy means your private life is different from your public life. If you have a life in private different from what you show in public, what your friends think you are, 
or your colleagues at work think you are, or people in your church think you are, or people in society think you are. If what they think you are is different from what you really are, Bible says you are hypocrites. So integrity means avoid hypocrisy. Be yourself. Be real. Amen. And integrity also means avoid false living. Hallelujah. False living. False living means living a life that is a complete lie. Hallelujah. False living is living a life that is a complete lie. So, what you are not, don't claim to be. What you are not, don't pretend to be that. Hallelujah. What you are, be that. Be what you are and desire that God should make your life better. If you are poor now, be poor and desire to come out of it. Then God will help you to come out. But here you are, you are poor, but you don't want anybody to know. You can't you can live in a three-bedroom house, but you borrow to rent it. That's a false life. You can't buy a particular kind of car, but you went to borrow to buy it. Or anytime you are going out, you borrow from a friend. A young man is going to visit a lady he is in love with. He borrows a car. I mean, you are going to get married to the person. Don't you think the person will know that this car was not yours? The interesting thing about false living is once you tell one lie, you have to keep telling it the rest of your life. Because once you told the girl, this is my car, when you get married, and the girl can say, where's the car? So we had, I had an accident with it on the Abri Road, and the car is totally damaged. So I'm now planning to buy a new one. Hello? And then lie upon lie upon lie upon lie. The rest of your life you keep lying. Hallelujah. False living makes you want to be what you are not. If all you have today is just one dress, keep it neat and decent and wear. A day is coming, God will add to it. Don't borrow more dresses to impress people. Oh, it's a good place for everybody to clap. Some of you don't like what I'm saying. Amen. Don't borrow. Don't borrow weave on to put on your hair when you can't afford. Hello? I know a pastor who went to borrow suit. Suit. You know, there are things when you do it, God will never favor you, and he will not support it. I believe he prayed so much that in a short time he will have money to pay for the suit, but he couldn't get the money because God will make sure he will humble you for your hypocrisy. He couldn't pay. After three months, the owner of the suit, one Sunday, they came to wait at the gate <laughs> with a policeman. Don't laugh. Don't laugh. It's not a story. It's a real thing that happened to a pastor I know. Hallelujah. The owner of the shop came with a policeman. They were waiting at the gates Sunday, waiting for the pastor. Fortunately, a member heard the news and came and called some people. And they said, our pastor is in trouble. Let's sort this thing out before they grab him after the service. And so they contributed money and paid. 
I think you don't need to live your life like that. Amen. Because when you keep living like that, the long-term effect is so disastrous. When you are a person of integrity, you avoid pretense, you avoid hypocrisy, you are straightforward, you are sincere, you are honest. I've come to realize that integrity can earn you so much, much more than hypocrisy will ever earn you. Amen. Yeah. Integrity can give you a very good name. Hallelujah. It can also earn you a good reputation. I've come to realize that even if you do the wrong thing and you tell the truth about it, people get to trust you. They will say, that guy is truthful. I'm always moved when people tell me the truth. No matter what bad thing they did, I'll, I'll just forget about it. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, one, one day, a member of this church very close to me, lady, came to me after, after service and said, Pastor, the past one month, I've, I've really messed up my life. I've done many bad things that will make you annoyed. Hallelujah. So I said, let's go to the office. So we went to the office. I said, whatever you did is in the past. Let's talk about how we can prevent it from happening again. And that's how, that was the rest of the story. Amen. Because the fact that I didn't know, this is how this lady lived her life. But she's able to come to me and tell me, tells me the person has already repented. The person has regretted for his wrong. You cannot judge somebody who has regretted and who has desired that to change. Hello? So when you tell the truth, even if it's a wrong thing you did, it makes people to trust you. It makes people to... Do you think this lady I'm talking about, if anybody comes to tell me a lie about her and I ask her and she tells me yes or no, do you think I'll doubt it? I'll not doubt it. I will never doubt it. The people I doubt are those who are doing the wrong thing but pretend they are angels. That's the real danger. And that is the kind of people that end up destroying all their reputation. The Bible said in the book of Proverbs 22 verse 1, it said, a good name is better than riches. A good name. So, so have a good reputation even if you are poor. It will, it will profit you tomorrow. It will benefit you. It will bless you more than you can ever imagine. Proverbs 22. Let's go back to verse 1. Is that a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. And loving favor rather than silver and gold. That means good name will give you favor. If you want to enjoy favor, have a good name. One important lesson I've learned in my short time of being a pastor is that news travel afar. What you are will soon travel far. No matter how much you try to pretend. If you are good, it will go far. If you're a bad person too, it will go far. Your character speaks much about you. And so the Bible says, a good name is to be chosen. That means it is something you choose to do. Integrity is a choice you make. And one of the things that really um, puts your integrity into serious question is money. How are you able to remain honest and truthful in the face of money? Because money will always find ways to compromise your values. 
and what you stand for. But the Bible says that if you have integrity, it will give you more, more than money can ever give you. You know, many of us buy every product you buy, you have preference. If it's a watch, you have your preference. Unless you don't have much money yet. But once you get money, you begin to desire quality. You begin to have preference. <laughs> and you realize that preference is all about a name. Do you know that? Preference is about a name. If I ask Joshua, I want to buy a brand new drum set of any amount. Just tell me which type of drum do you want. He'll mention a name. He'll mention a name of a particular drum. Why? Because that drum has quality. Preference is all about name. If you have a good name, you attract favor from far. So more people buy what is quality than what is inferior. But the people who produce the inferior are only chasing money. The people who produce the quality are protecting their name. That is why every manufacturing company have a trademark. They have a name. And they try to protect it. Hello? Yeah, if you see a car, one way you can tell that this is a Benz, this is a Toyota, is the trademark and their name. Hello? Right. So if you want to buy a car, you have a preference. Don't you have a preference? There are cars you want to buy. There are cars you don't want to buy. Depending on what your preference is. But it's all about a name. And so every good manufacturer knows the importance of making sure that they make their products of the best quality as possible. Because if it is inferior, people will soon lose interest in it. And that is how everybody who wants to have a great business needs to think. If you are not sincere to your customers, you can't deliver on promise, you can't meet deadlines, you are just, you treat them anyhow very soon, they get to find out you are just one big liar who wants to take advantage of them. You, you, you sell something, is it very good? You say it's very good. In fact, it's the best in the town. Only the person to realize that it's the worst in town. You, even if that person is a fool, you don't expect him to come back to your shop next week. You don't expect him to come back to your shop. Whatever you do in life, whatever you do, even if you are a salaried worker, your name is what takes you up and up the ladder. If everybody can trust you, your co colleagues at work cannot trust you, your superiors cannot trust you, because you can't be truthful. Some of our, even our spouses cannot trust us. Then there, there is a big problem. So a good name is better than riches. Because a good name gives you reputation. It gives you respect. Listen to me. The normal human being respects honest people. You can be sincere and very truthful. You may have no money. You earn more respect than somebody who has all the money in the world and who is a liar. Bad reputation. And so, the question I want to ask today is, what kind of reputation are you earning for yourself? The book of Proverbs chapter 19, verse 1, it says something. I want all of us to read it on the screen because of time. It said, better is the poor who walks in his integrity than one who is perverse in his lips and is a fool. I think hypocrisy is foolishness. In fact, that is what the Bible said. It's foolish because you are just wasting your time. You are just worrying yourself. People will get to know the truth. 
Have you ever heard they said, the world is a small place? All right. <laughs> the world is a small place because life is such that the people you know, you keep just going around them. So you lie to this person today and you run away, you will meet his cousin. <laughs> you will meet his cousin. <laughs> Who need to help you but with recommendation from the one you lied to? And he said, be careful, oh. be careful. Because if you play, you die. I want to say today that integrity is an important attitude that every Christian must have because it takes, it opens doors for you. It opens doors for you that money can never open. When you keep living life in a crooked way, questionable way, false way, you think you are being smart, you think you are trying to outwit people, I want you to know you are digging your grave. You are not helping yourself, you are not helping your future, you are not helping your career, you are not helping your business, or whatever you are doing, you are not helping even your marriage when you are not truthful. Be who you are. Say what you are, even if you are not good yet, let people know you are not good. And they will be okay with you because they know you are sincere enough to say you are not good. And they will pray with you. I have had church members that I trust them not because of their character, but because they are sincere. I have, I've had church members all my life as a pastor. I trust them because they told me what they are before I even discovered it. And they told me because they want me to help them out to change that wrong behavior, to change this character, to, to stop doing this thing. And it's just wonderful being around such people because they are they just straightforward. They just tell you the truth. The last people you want to hang around with are people who hail you in your presence. But the moment they turn, they turn from you, the things they say about you, you wonder. It blows your mind. Hallelujah. Somebody say integrity. All right. The second attitude that I want us to look at is generosity. Everybody say generosity. Generosity means willingness to freely give towards a good cause. Generosity, it doesn't mean giving. It means the willingness to give freely to a good cause. And so if the willingness is not there, Bible says it is not generosity. That is why Cain and Abel gave to God a sacrifice, but God accepted Abel's sacrifice and God rejected Cain's sacrifice. Why? Because Abel gave willingly, Cain gave with grudge, with anger. And God, by that example, is saying that it's not enough to give. Whether you are giving to the poor, you are giving to society, whether you are giving in church, or you are giving to anybody, the gift is not what makes you generous. It is your attitude to how you gave it. Last Sunday, we, we had an exhortation about two people, the same church, and I hope it's the same in every church, isn't it? Barnabas gave and was blessed. Ananias and Sapphira, they gave, but they died. Hallelujah. Because they gave with the wrong attitude. Generosity means willi willingness to freely give toward a good cause. That means that 
Generous people are not only thinking about giving, but they also think about what they are giving to. That means generosity does not mean throw money around. That's why there are very many rich and generous people who don't pack money in the boot of their car and open their boots and drive through town. <laughs> Hello? Hoping that the wind will just blow the money out and people will pick on the streets. Generosity means looking at the reason for which you give, what you are giving towards. Proverbs 22 verse 9 says something. It says, he who has a generous eye will be blessed because he gives bread. And the word bread here does not only mean food, it means life. Because generosity is not only about money. It's about everything that life requires. Generous people are generous in everything they give. A one who is generous, the Bible said he's blessed. To be blessed means to be empowered to prosper. Somebody say, I'm blessed. But because you are blessed, you have to show that blessing by a good attitude of generosity. Somebody say amen to that. Generosity is what makes you put people's interests above selfish interest. And people's well-being is a concern for you, then you are a generous person. This means that when you come to the place where your life is not about what I can get, by all means, no matter how I get it, it's not a matter. I want to get it, even if it will mean killing people, destroying people, because I want to get it. If you come to that place where you don't live like that, then you are generous. Because if people's interest is not above your selfish interest, you will always pull people down in order to rise. You will always destroy people in order to get what you want. You will know this thing is wrong. It is not good for that person. It will inconvenience somebody, but you will do it. It is this attitude that makes many businesses never to grow big. Because if you start a business and all you are thinking about is the money you will get, but not the comfort of the people your business is serving, you, you won't have a great business. All the people who have started businesses that have become great and global and making you know, annual budgets in billions of dollars, they started first with people in mind, meeting needs. And you know what human beings will do? Every time you meet somebody's needs, he's willing to pay. No matter the cost, he'll pay for it. That is what makes people to pursue quality. People's interest, that is generosity. It programs your future for abundance. Generosity programs your future for abundance. There is an eternal law of the universe. Let me not call it of the Bible. There is a law of life that says... To every cause, there's an effect. Everything you do has consequences. It also says the outputs you make depends on the inputs. This law also says what you sow, you reap. So when you have an attitude of generosity, you may not necessarily be going about giving money to people every day, but you just want to extend love to people. And you know what it does for you? It goes into your future to program 
the same kind of love for yourself. The important question about life is, how do you want your future to be like? Do it for somebody now. Did you hear what I said? If you want to enjoy favors in the future, favor somebody now. How many of you will love it one day, somebody who knows you and who is very rich calls you and said, the Lord just, spoke, or no, let me not say the Lord. <laughs> somebody who knows you, very rich man, just called you and said, it's been on my mind to just give you this one million dollars for anything you want to use it for. How many of you think you'll be happy that day? You'll not be annoyed. <laughs> Do you know it can happen for you? Question is, how will it happen for you? Let me tell you how it will happen for you. It will happen for you when people don't always beg and beg and beg before you give them something. Once in a while, in your lifetime, surprise somebody, no matter how small the amount. It may not even be money. Do somebody a favor. To do somebody a favor means do something for somebody who did not ask for it and was not expecting it. You know, sometimes somebody may not ask you, but he's expecting because he thinks he has a right to it. <laughs> that is generosity. Generosity helps you to avoid people exploitation. You cheat people. You defraud people. You deceive people to take the little they have. Sometimes it's interesting the people you know and you trust. Because of the trust you have for them, they cheat you more. That's exploitation. You are taking advantage of the person's trust for you. He said, I want you to buy this thing for me. How much will it cost? And you mentioned double the price. Double the price or 10 times the price. That's exploitation. Somebody has become a regular customer for you. He trusts you enough to become a regular customer. Now you are taking advantage of him. One day he gets to find out and you lost him. And the interesting thing about customers, you, don't, you never lose one. Yeah. If you lose one, you've lost many. Because he will tell somebody who will tell somebody who will tell somebody that, hey, that guy is, a, is an exploiter. So generosity helps you to avoid people's exploitation. Amen. All right. Generous people are not self-centered. They are kind to all people, irrespective of family or tribe. <laughs> when you are selective in the people you are kind to, you are not generous. This person, my family member, okay, you give to him. This person, I don't know him from anywhere. He's not even from my tribe, let alone from my hometown. He doesn't have a right to anything. You're not a generous person. Generosity means... Once the person is a human being created in the image of God, give him the same attention you give somebody you know. Be kind to people. That is generosity. Kindness. Kindness from the heart. Kindness means you love people so much the way you love yourself. If somebody is not kind and he gives to you, be careful with the gift. Let me say that again. If you know somebody not to be kind and he give you a gift, be careful with that gift because probably that gift has strings attached to it. He's not giving you because of you. He's giving because of him. For instance, 
There are people who will never call you to ask how you are doing until they have a need. Or it's only me, it happens to. Does it happen to you too? Yes. All right. So once you pick their call, so I was just calling to check on you. How do you feel? <laughs> because it has happened repeatedly. You know, after, after he has said, I was calling to check on you, the next thing is going to ask for something. That means if not that he had a need, he wouldn't have called. So the call was not because of kindness. It's not like he's thinking about you. He's thinking about himself. If somebody you know, that you know, that you know, is not kind, and he gives to you, either it's favor God has put on you that has moved the person, or the person is up to something. And it's, it's with everything, including money, food, clothing, everything. Can I say this? That is why it's not every gift that is a blessing. Some gifts are traps, deadly, and dangerous. How many God what I just said? Clap for Jesus. And once in a while, you will meet them at workplace. You meet them in family. Hello? You meet them around where you live. You meet them everywhere. You meet them in church. You meet them among your friends. You may have friends that really never care about you, but it's okay. Right? Generous people do not give any how. I've said it already. Generosity doesn't mean give anyhow. It means give with a purpose. For instance, I don't believe that you should give to people to encourage them to be lazy. Amen. That's why I don't believe that you should have people who come to you every week and take something from you. Sit down with the person and ask him, what do you want to do in life? That's a better way to be generous. And I think if anybody ever met you and said, anytime you need something, call me, that person is not going to help you much. Especially if you have a wrong attitude, that statement can finish you, it can destroy you, it can cripple your potential, it can cripple your sense of purpose and destiny. If somebody told you, anytime you need something, come to my house, call. I'm not saying it's a bad statement, but it's not the right thing to hear. I'm telling you. Sometimes it's good that you, don't, you just don't have anybody around to help you. Tell you what, it will trigger something in you to come out. Sometimes the greatest blessing God can do for you is to just cut all your supplies. God can touch people to help you. He can touch people not to help you. Don't hate people who make you a promise but could not deliver. Don't hate them. At least they tried. They made a promise. At least they tried. For all you know, it's not a part of God's plan and purpose for your life. So, don't give anyhow. Give with a purpose. Question is what you are giving. What purpose is it going to solve? For instance, if you are giving to someone who is a drunkard, what help are you giving him? Are you helping him? Are you helping him? Especially when you know, as soon as you take that money straight to the drinking store, are you going to keep giving him money? So generosity doesn't mean give anyhow. Some must not be helped. Sometimes you must love people enough to refuse them help so that they can become responsible. So that they can stop being lazy. Generous people do not give to impress people. They give to meet needs. Amen. Amen. If you give to meet needs, God will bless you. If you give to impress people, you've done nothing. Let me say this very important thing. Generous people always look for opportunity to give more than to receive. 
When a generous person goes out of the house, he's not thinking about who he can meet to get something from. He's thinking about who he can meet to help. And listen to me, let me tell you something. At every point in time in your life, you have something to give somebody. You have something to give. You may not have money, but you have love. You have encouragement to give. You have something to give. It may be a good advice. It may be the right counsel. It may be something. What has helped people to become great in life has not always been money. There are people that are great and successful people can tell you, that man is the secret to my success. And when you go and check, it was not money. Maybe that person introduced him to the right person that opened the door for his business. And there is always something you can give. Everybody has a need. Everybody you meet has a need. Including the richest people in the world, they have needs. It may not be a need of money, but they have a need. One thing that can make you prosperous and do well and be successful is when you meet needs for people. They always get attracted to you. Human beings naturally get attracted to people who meet their needs. You may want to avoid them, but they will pull you to come closer because you are important to them. And when you become important to them, now it is not you begging them for what they should give you. They ask you once in a while, what can I do to help? What can I do to help? Because they have seen that you have become important. Let me say something. If you meet a rich person, the first thing to think about is not, how can I get some of his money? <laughs> if you do that, you have a bad attitude and you will be poor for the rest of your life. Because they never give it to you. When they see your reason for hanging around them is money, you know, when you are poor, it's very difficult to know people who really love you when you are poor. Did you hear what I said? When you are poor, it's difficult to know people who love you because everybody is just around you, especially because you are all in the same class. When you are rich, it's easier to know that people really love you. Are you surprised about what I said? Because they used to tell us when you are rich, rather it's difficult. I think it's the other way around. If you are rich, it's easy to know that people love you because you can check their motive. Once you can check people's motive, you can tell those who love you. I mean, how can you be rich and somebody only comes around when he has a need? Is it difficult to tell this person he's not coming because of love? It's not difficult to tell. When you are rich and there's somebody who can still relate with you genuinely, not because of your money, but because he likes you, that is a true friend. That is somebody who loves you. But, all, but all, suddenly when you become rich, you have only few of such people. You have plenty of people praise you, laugh with you, smile. Even when you do the wrong thing, they are clapping. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine? When you do the wrong thing, they are clapping because of their stomach. So when you are poor, have a lot of friends. But when you become richer, reduce the number by checking motives of people. Generosity does not always look for opportunity to receive, but it looks opportunity to give. Generous people believe that everyone has a right to be rich. Can you imagine that? Yeah. Every human being on earth 
has a right to be rich. You may not be the one to make them rich, but at least it's a mindset you must have. Let me give you examples. There's a company called Microsoft. Microsoft is co-owned today by a man called Bill Gates, the richest man in the world. I'm about to talk about him a little. I hope you're not tired of me talking about this man. This company has three employees that are billionaires still working as employees. <laughs> and 12,000 people who are millionaires. Check it if you think I'm lying. Go and Google it. That is generosity. He didn't put money, he didn't give them money cash, like all employees line up, come and take money. No. He taught his employees the principles that made him successful. And he created an atmosphere for them to engage the same principles. You know, there are people, when they find out that there is gold in this room, they will go and take all they will ever need for the rest of their life. And they will lock the door and throw the key away to a place nobody else will ever find. <laughs> Hello? Have you ever met people like that? Yeah. I hope you are not like that. Say I'm not like that. Say it again. Say I'm not like that. All right. So why do people do that? Because they want to be the only one who is rich. That is being stingy. That is being stingy. And it's not only even about money, everything. And there are people when you hang around them, you will never go forward because they are stingy. They won't even teach you what is right so that you will do well in life. They won't, give, they won't show you simple things that will open doors for you. There are places when you work, you will never prosper. Because the man up there believes, I must be the only one who must be rich. No employee must be rich here. And I believe there's nobody here who is a Christian who must ha have that kind of attitude. Because if you have that attitude, God will never bless you. But when you see people who are generous, it shows everywhere in their lives. It shows the attitude to people, everybody. Friends, it shows how they relate with friends, how they relate with their spouses, how they relate with colleagues at work, how they relate with their employees, how they relate to customers, how they relate everywhere, even to strangers. It shows. Yeah. Now, let's talk more about this man. Bill Gates is also the most generous man in the world now. Now, this for me, I think is not a coincidence. The richest man in the world is also the man that has given more money to charity than anybody else alive. In fact, he has founded with his wife the largest and the richest charity organization in the world now called the Gates Foundation. And the Gates Foundation, he alone gave $28 billion to that foundation. The, the foundation is worth about $45 billion. That's serious. That can make one country to shake. I won't mention any name. <laughs> I didn't mention any country. Praise the Lord. One charity organization. When I say charity, it means they are not working for any profit. 
they are reaching out to the poor around the world. That's the man. Doesn't he look very simple? Mm-hmm. Let me conclude with this. What you make happen for others, God will make happen for you. Let me say it again. What you make happen for others, God will make happen for you. Proverbs 11.25 said, He that waters will himself also be watered. When you are generous, you reap the harvest of generosity. Everywhere you go, doors open for you because you have opened doors for others. If you are an employee and all you do is sabotage your company where you work, one day you will also own a company and somebody will sabotage your own. What you make happen for others, God will make happen for you. Question is, what do you want to become in life? Make it happen for somebody. And God will bless you. Amen. today's message. You can contact Reverend Hubert on 030-340-7970 or 024-33-11201. Remain blessed.